I don't know what it was. He's walking upright like a man. Sightings in and around Vermont. Bigfoot sightings across New England have been reported. Red glowing eyes, about seven feet tall. Red eyes, big old fangs, claws coming out through. Three inches long, you know, just sharp as they could be. There has been another UFO sighting flying over the Royal Botanic Gardens. There are 500 UFO sightings in the world every month. The truth is out there. Let's pull up disgusting, disgusting stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> this is the book I got. Oh, yeah, dope. I saw that, the, the hoax book. That one I, I'm I'm legitimately excited for. Oh, no, I'm like stupid, stupid, stupid excited for it because one, there's really good hoaxes in here. Yeah. And two, it made me realize that there's a whole nother realm of possibilities for Cryptopedia that we can go into. Hoaxes? And that's that's literally hoaxes. Yeah. Of every variety, because I think the core conceit of Cryptopedia is the notion of hidden and hoaxes are literally one person hiding information deliberately to try and trick people into believing something. And there's a real, my, I think I was reading through this in grand central terminal and it has the, uh, it has like the moon hoax in here, which is really great. <laughs> Wait, what the moon's fake? No, no, no. That, that is another hoax that's in here. Wait, that the moon itself is fake. Well, that's the moon is a hologram. Oh, yeah, which that's, is a thing. That's a thing. Well, I, I mean, if you'll remember on uh, last podcast on the left, I think Henry Zabrowski lost a girlfriend over the moon being a hologram. Oh, well, that's fair. I mean, you've got that's that's something when it comes up, you've got to cut your losses because that's that's uh, that's something. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, I, who I'm, thought it was a hologram? Him or, or his girlfriend? He, he lost his mind. I think it was over the hollow earth episode uh, not hollow earth hollow moon episodes or whatever yeah yeah i think he lost his mind shoot it was a weird day yeah how was that by the way how, how was how was the trip down to the city eh, it was it was okay i mean i enjoyed it we were there for like 14 hours so <laughs> and we got back at 2 a.m oh, last night and we're yeah. recording this at 11 48 a.m the next day yeah so I'm doing great right now. Nice. In terms of energy, I got a I got a lozenge in my mouth because my throat got agitated by the weed smells. <laughs> they can do that now. In the city, I, you sent me a picture of like a, I'll say a food truck type thing that looks yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, it, it yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think I remember reading that the mayor is not going to uh is not going to charge people anymore, or he's like recommending that the cops don't charge people anymore. Yeah, that it, it's less enforced. Yeah, I, I think okay. that's the key. Um, I mean, I also went to a concert, so yeah. How was that? It was pretty good. I mean, saying what the concert is is going to reveal when we recorded this, but it was a, uh, it was the Gorillas concert, and live they're pretty fucking good. Are they? That sounds awesome. Rhinestone Eyes Live might be my actual favorite thing ever. Is it? Yeah. Oh, man. Do they do they do like a death clock where there's like a screen that they record behind and there's bright lights behind them and they and they throw up their shadows? No, it, it's more uh, the guy who who is the real person behind the gorillas, the the voice of two D. Yeah, it's more like a concert for him, 
and the gorillas like music videos and stuff show up behind it. Oh, that's cool. But they're like modified versions of it. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Although I will say this off the album Humans, my new least favorite song is Strobe Light. Why? And the (laughs) reason it's, I love that song. Like, normally I love that song. Yeah. At the concert, the strobe light was pointed directly into my eye. <laughs> so I enjoyed that thoroughly. Yeah, that's, that sounds great. Oh, man. But yeah. So, I mean, it, it was it was fun. I, uh, I spent way too much money on nothing. Was it a fun nothing? What kind of nothing are we talking about? I, got, I mean, I got the book. Oh, nice. But, I mean, a lot of, like... You know, going through the city, everything's like 20% more expensive, so. Yeah. Oh, I feel like we should also note, because not everyone who listens to our podcast anymore is from New York. Uh-huh. When we say the city, we mean New York City. True. Correct. That, yeah, yeah. That is actually a very important distinction. And even people in New York, if they're closer to Rochester or uh, Buffalo, they'll refer to those as the city. Oh, yeah. Well, I used to work with a, a gentleman who would say... Hey, do you need anything? I'm going to the city. And by that, he meant Kingston. So he'd call Kingston the city. Now, that's just that's just anarchy. <laughs> there, there's a point, okay, like where you go from from the city being either Rochester, Buffalo, New York City or Albany. And then you just go for pure anarchy and you make <laughs> Kingston the city, which well, is insanity. <laughs> He w- he's not originally from the U.S., that guy. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know. Yeah. That's an important factor, I yeah. feel like. But, um, oh, so actually, I'll tell you now, we actually have international listeners for real now. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So we got... Well, let me speak in their native tongue. Hello. That's hello in Canadian. We do have a Canadian listener. Ah, but we have a Denmark listener, ah. an Argentina listener, and a Paraguay listener. And I oh, probably, that's a fun one. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I found that to be kind of cool. I so, did a full report on uh, Paraguay in school. Um, mm-hmm. I forget most of it. That was, that was a while back. But uh, it was fun. I think that was one of the longest ones that I actually did in school because I enjoyed it. Most of my school reports, I, I, I really didn't like and just sort of did the minimum and and now I just sort of write this time eleven pages about just just BS. So uh, eh. you wrote a full eleven pages about this week. Uh, yeah, page counts eleven. I write it. In to be fair, the last two pages are plugs and sources. That's fair. And I yeah. do it in fourteen font, so it's easier to read. Uh, okay. Because I'm like about to say, I'm like. I'm working on on next week still because I found I found a, a really awesome source that I want to read before I actually fit, say it's done. Yeah. And right now I'm about, I'd say, 50 to 75 percent of the way through the episode, uh-huh. like planning for it and content. I'm about three pages Okay. So, well, you we have very different writing styles. I noticed because because after we announce the creature, we'll send the other person our our copy so that we can sort of follow along and estimate where in the episode we are, so we know how to pace ourselves. 
Yeah. And I've noticed that yours tend to be more outlines in your, uh, at least the ones that you share, and you're recalling information from sources that you have, and you do cite sources and pictures and stuff, so I can, you'll say something, and I can copy or copy and paste it, or I can look for it and see the image. Um, yeah. And I tend to write nearly verbatim everything, <laughs> everything that I say. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm more, for me, it's it's like, the research is me reading a bunch of stuff, and then my my documentation is me remembering stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So, I have literally no idea what this week's is. So, if okay. I do guess it, this is gonna be this is gonna be a hat trick. First of all, nice. Yeah, because we all know that you're a demon and you're psychic. Before we do jump in, there are two items I'd like to note. Item the first, I noticed you sound extra sultry today. Is that a new mic I see? It is, in fact, a new mic. Oh, yeah. It's we got a bump a, going on. I don't remember what the name of the mic is. It's an Audio nice. Technica. Yeah, you're the one who recommended it. So <laughs> I actually, uh, what is it, the 2020, I think? Something, yeah. It's, yeah, I like it a lot. I'm replacing a $15 condenser mic. <laughs> <laughs> that I've had for about four years now, uh -huh. meaning, and it survived a move. Yeah. So I'm sure the capsule on this is great, and that is totally the reason. That's that's why my previous track sounded so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for new nerds who are keeping track, I'm on a CAD Audio GXL2200BP that I got lucky and found on mass drop. The second note is that there was a shoot across the street for me last night. So today they're packing up. So I'll do my best to keep any erroneous sounds out, but there are, you know, people loading gear into a large truck with like the gates that lower and all that. So if you hear any clinks, clanks, bangs, or people talking or, or diesel engines idling and all that, I'll do my best, but that's what that is. All right. So, <coughs> <coughs> You right there? Yeah, I'm, I'm prepping my tubes. Okay, okay. Welcome to Bigfoot Loves Movies, the game show where each of your hosts are forced to watch cryptid-themed romantic comedy movies and answer a series of increasingly difficult questions. Stay till the end because the winner gets to watch the loser on closed-circuit television as they are dragged deep into our test facility where they are used as live test subjects for Cryptopedia's prototype line of ballistically projected Bigfoot tranquilizers. I'm Brandon. I'm John, and I didn't know that was coming. Um, uh, I want to just say, I want to just say, I would really like to watch cryptid-themed romantic comedies. Yeah, I, I was pretty happy with that. <laughs> like, a lot. Like, the Jersey Devil would have a phenomenal romantic comedy, I feel yeah. like. Oh, like, that would be fantastic. Now, I think there's two ways you could go with a cryptid romantic comedy, and that's cryptid and cryptid, or possibly more interesting. Actually, no, I take that back. I was going to say cryptid and human, but that goes into like the vampire werewolf and, and all that. And uh, just no. Well, I've read some um, some historic accounts involving Bigfoot and a appendage that looks like a child's arm with an apple attached to it turning ah, inward yeah so that sounds pretty interesting to me so i don't, I don't know what you're, i don't know what you're talking about oh man our cryptid this week it's a big one its origins are old early written records 
begin to appear in the 1300s. It may be found across many countries, and its name at this point has become synonymous with folklore, and its very name may be used to describe many other types of creatures, and it's anthropomorphic in appearance. Do you know what it could be? That's a really vague one. So it appears in multiple cultures. Yep. Hmm. This might be the first one I don't know off the top of my head. It's See, because big, it's old, it's all over, it's anthropomorphic. It... That sounds like that almost sounds like Sasquatch, but 1300s is way too, way too late for Bigfoot or Sasquatch. Because well, because you know Yetis, yada yada yada. There's Let's see, zombies, vampires, but those are not really cryptids. They're anthropomorphic. They're more urban legends. Or not urban legends. Yeah, I'm going to have to to say I have literally no idea. Oh, wait, wait. Could it be fairies? What the fuck? It, it was fairies? It was fairies. <laughs> John. <laughs> John, that's fucked up. I want you to know I was intentionally leading you because because I was saying it was big. It was anthro- I was trying to describe Bigfoot, and it's goddamn fairies, John. I want that John. was literally my thought process. I I went through. I didn't leave anything out. There were no jumps in that. That was my train of consciousness, right there, John. Yeah, stop it. I was intentionally trying to mislead you on this one. I can tell. Well, I... So when I wrote that, I... mm -hmm. uh, Oh, man. All right, I just forwarded you the copy so you can see what I wrote. Uh, It should be in your email. Let me know if it doesn't go through. Yeah. But right under where it says, the creature of this week is a big one, and there's bullet points describing... Uh, where it's found in that. Look uh-huh. at the text I put in green immediately under any guesses on what it could be. If he guesses he's a literal fucking demon, he'll hopefully guess Bigfoot. What the fuck, John? <laughs> Look what he wrote immediately under that. That's how confident I was. The first line under that green text. Wrong. I got you, you, you second wannabe. It's fairies. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Oh my god! I'm dying. Um, I was so confident. Well, well, here's the thing. I want to point out. You said, you said the the fact that you said 1300s. That's what made me not think it was big. Yeah, I wasn't gonna lie. I would. I will intentionally mislead with the truth, but not lie. Mm -hmm. And you're a goddamn demon. Well. Once again, I feel like we should go into the fact I have read an extensive amount about an extensive number of cryptids. <laughs> so I have a slight horrifying advantage in terms of stuff like this. And not only that, we also, as I think I mentioned on one of the previous episodes, we used to play games where you would try and stump me with things. Yeah. So I am uniquely suited to beat your your riddles i feel like that oh. any in a thousand this is insane okay let me go by my script wrong 
I got you, you psychic wannabe. It's fairies. Yep, yep. You you got me. I got you. The word you fairy, me. as described in Laura Creedy's 1916 book, A Study of Fairy Tales, was, quote, given by Thomas Kittingly in his fairy mythology in a later appendix of his tales in popular fictions. In the Latin phantom, to enchant, the word is derived directly from the French form of the root. The various forms of the root were phantom in Latin, which means to enchant, fee or fieri, uh, which is illusion in French, in Italian that's fata, and in Proven- uh, I'm not sure what provengal is, uh, that may be a form of Italian, but it is fata. Fairies, as we know them today, are small humanoid creatures with wings, often shown as butterfly wings, small enough to hold in the palm of your hand. But this was not always the case. The word fairy in history could be used to describe any creature as long as it was small, somewhat humanoid in appearance, and had special abilities, such as elves, goblins, gnomes, hobgoblins, bogarts, brownies, etc. So, it, to... Oh, you know what? I literally... <laughs> I was literally about to ask that, and I see it on the, on the copy. I was about uh-huh. to ask, what about redcaps? Yeah, so redcaps may have actually been described as fairies at one point, and I did find several sources that listed redcaps as a form of fairy, uh, which okay. you may recall from our first episode. So... Elves are fairies. Goblins and hobgoblins are fairies. Uh-huh. Are green goblins fairies? <laughs> what about red goblins? Because this is important. Because the... The, question, the question becomes, is one of Spider-Man's oldest foes actually a fairy? Um, one of Spider-Man's oldest foes lives down the road. <laughs> So I won't. <laughs> I have no further comment. Wait, what? Will- Willem Dafoe lives down. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I have no problem with Willem Dafoe. I'm talking about Spider-Man in the comics. Willem oh, Dafoe. gotcha. Willem Dafoe is the per- perfect Green Goblin. <laughs> I just want to point that out. Oh yeah, no, he's the fantastic man- and great in everything. He's also somewhat local. So, Billy, if you're out there and you like fairies, give us a shout out. God damn it. All right. <laughs> so, moving on, now yep. that I've uh, I've sidelined us with talk of Willem Dafoe. The word fairy could also be used to describe someone's ability. One example I found was that someone who was exceptionally chivalrous and was good at swordplay could be called a fairy knight. Fairy has at times been used as a synonym for enchanted, think fairy forest and enchanted forest as being interchangeable. These, I believe, are plausible roots for where some current turns of phrase come from. The most recent example I could think of is if someone was to be called a computer whiz, whiz being short for wizard. No one thinks that he's a literal computer wizard. They're just describing his skill at using the computer. And the song Pinball Wizard, by The Who in 1979 describes someone who is exceptional at pinball. This is also why I started calling Fred and Kevin at work the IT fairies. I can guarantee that they love that. As someone who works in an, as a developer slash IT person, being called an IT fairy is the greatest of all compliments that someone who's gone to college for four years, <laughs> in many cases, <laughs> to learn about, you know, how to properly debug things, how to properly set up computers and manage a shop of people who don't know how to use computers properly. Uh I'm sure their favorite thing in the world is being called an IT fairy. (laughs) 
oh, they love it. They're super grateful. They they really love me because I've somehow managed to go through on my work PC, kill one hard drive per year for the last four years. Okay, so... Uh... <laughs> I, I I don't have words for that because I have so I I I manage some servers. Yeah. And we don't kill a hard drive in five years. And yeah. we're pushing serious data through those hard drives. I, I'm through four hard drives, three NVIDIA K five thousand graphics cards I've killed. Uh, uh, and I think I have the most RAM in the company, and I have the the largest issues with um. Uh, he started talking about IT stuff. I'm not super technical, so I don't 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 quite understand. But Rammy stuff. Okay, yeah. So that probably means that you use a bunch of stuff that is like swappy and whatnot. Well, I use. I asked him about it, and I have a slightly beefed my computer is a little bit beefier than everyone else's and i asked him how come mine is uh, i have all these troubles and it made me smile when he said oh that's because you're the only one that uses the software to its full capability (laughs) (laughs) so enough of that one quick side tangent is uh about song pinball wizard by the who pinball wizard is about someone named roger sharp Pinball, as it turns out, at one point in time was outlawed in the United States as gambling, and this was a state-by-state thing, and eventually all states outlawed uh, pinball as gambling, because you'd pay money, and they thought it was more of a game of luck than skill. Only after Roger showed up to a courtroom in Manhattan with a black market pinball machine, and called out every shot he was going to make, and then made it, did pinball then become legal again in the United States, slowly moving from Manhattan to the West Coast? What? Yeah, it's crazy. So, so wait, wait, was this like a um, like a, the Goonies pinball machine that he was playing, or was this like a pachinko game? It's, you know, I don't know what the, the actual pinball machine was. It was, uh, pinball was outlawed. All the machines went away. Manufacturers still stuck around, so you could sort of buy and sell pinball machines, and you could also go uh-huh. to like shady places that had these. And I, I actually don't know what his, his specific pinball machine was. Oh, I see oh. that face. Oh, it's like a legit pinball machine. I thought like like it's like a modern pinball machine. I was yeah. thinking it was like Pachinko. No, no, it's an actual modern pinball machine because this was when. They were, there was a big crackdown on gambling, and they they figured pinball, there's no way that could be a game of skill. That got swept to the side. They wrote special legislation to allow the lottery to continue to exist because the lottery is gambling. So the law outlawed the lottery, so then they had to write a thing to let the lottery to continue uh, to exist. So while we were talking about that, I was Googling furiously... Pinball, Roger Sharp. Yeah. I've sent you an image, which we should probably link in the show notes. Uh-huh. This this man is, is like, killing this pinball machine like a, a, an executioner. Like, the look on his face is that of a man beheading someone. Oh, God! Yeah! That's that's probably a, a public official 
destroying the now illegal pinball machines with a sledgehammer. <laughs> yeah, I, I find that amazing. I don't know why. Like, but that it's just like why? Like, you could have taken the glass and repurposed it for something. Yeah. That's that just seems like a waste. Yeah. <sighs> People are idiots. Mm-hmm. So given the massive body of work regarding fairies and it's and given that it's October, I'll be focusing on lesser known aspects of these creatures, at least to Americans who are twenty to forty years old. The nefarious, mm. evil, and wretched acts performed by those mischie- these mischievous creatures. I will state, however, that the Fae warrant follow up episodes breaking down the chronological history of fairies by region for the nerds. This episode is going to be more of a grab bag touching on a few varieties of fairies that have a spooky Halloween twist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if we just talk about fairies as a culture, almost, wait, that was a weird thing I just said. Yeah. Fairies as a culture. Hmm. Like the fae culture or fairies in culture? I meant to say the categorization of fairies. Yes. We'd be cutting out like a ton of possible episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So this is intentionally more of a Halloween. Let's make a spooky fairy episode. Let's do a twist on a thing that's for little kids. Um, And as I got deep into it, it turns out that there is significantly more. There's a wide breadth and depth to all of the different uh, fairy related things. I think I'm looking at the outline for this episode and some of the things that we're even talking about during this episode, they are definitely, definitely, definitely episodes in themselves. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm not going to I'm not going to waylay you anymore. I would love to hear about the the first fairy on this. Okay. to start, we'll be taking a brief trip through the little known act of fairy vampirism. In the 80s, author Patrick Logan wrote about his time as a child and what it was like growing up in Ireland. As would happen, he, as a kid, uh, like many other kids, I did this a lot myself, he'd play outside. And one day, he and his two friends found what he described as a fairy mound. Wait, I looked wait, up, wait, wait. Yeah? 80s? Like, as in 1980s? In the 1980s, but he's recalling his time as a child. I okay. don't know his age Okay, when okay. He's talking I, about it, but this is in imagine, I don't know, 40, 50 years earlier. So this is like relatively modern. Oh, story. very modern, super modern. That's, okay, continue. Yeah. Oh yeah, in fact, there were people who Patrick Logan was recalling his time as a child. There were modern accounts in the 80s of fairy vampirism. Yeah, the 80s uh, were crazy. 80s were a weird time. I feel yeah. like a lot of people a lot of people. A lot of people said a lot high. of things in the 80s. <laughs> oh, I feel yeah. like a lot of people were high in the 80s. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff that was legal uh, in the 80s. Yeah. Yep. So fairy mounds may be one of two things. I believe when he says fairy mound, that's something that's a regional item from where he came from. Fairy mounds could either be uh, an old fort formed from concentric stone walls mostly constructed during the Bronze Age, or, more likely given what they proceeded to do, a ring of mushrooms. Yeah, I, I've I've read about that, and I've heard about that. Ring of mushrooms seems like the easiest explanation, plus, you know, different 
different types of fungi probably grow in different patterns because of oh, their yeah. spore spread and things like that. So. Yeah, we those are all over. So rings of mushrooms are naturally occurring. It's a group of mushrooms that either grows in a ring because of the what's in the ground around there. That's just how they grow. Or there are some mushrooms where it's one mushroom that just grows as a It looks on the surface as a ring, but they're all connected underground. Oh, huh. I didn't yep. know that. So he and his friends proceed to dig up the fairy mound. The entire group then developed tuberculosis. All were convinced that it was caused by the vengeful fairies. Tuberculosis, commonly known as consumption, is a disease famous for symptoms, one of which is coughing up blood. TB, or tuberculosis, is believed to be a sign that you've fallen victim to fairy vampirism as late as the 1980s. And that references not his account, but other accounts that were modern in the 80s. Wait, so tuberculosis, an epidemic, mind you, an absolute epidemic, yeah. which we have, I think, don't we have a vaccine for it now? Hopefully. Remember it? Yeah. So people believed until the 1980s yes. that it was just fairies. Yeah, and not, at not, least one source or way to get it. So you could probably get it other ways, but okay. if you had if a fairy was to to feed upon you, you would get TB. So there may have been other sources, but one fairies. So it's not more likely that everyone got TB because they're all friends and interacting a lot and if one of them gets it, inevitably all of them are going to get it. Yeah, I think definitely in Pat's case that's more likely. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Just from, like, yeah, you all dug up mushrooms, but you're also all just, you know, hanging out a lot. Because I'm assuming yeah. you're a bunch of, like, you're a bunch of rapscallions running through the streets if you're digging up mushrooms for some reason. Yeah. So the next fairy is the Scottish Glacing Rias, often vampiristic. Glacings were said to cut the throats of hunters and drink their blood. So we are... Fastly moving away from the kids' fairy tale version of a fairy. What? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just. What? That's that's horrifying. Oh yeah, and I will be throwing a lot of words around glasting and a few other things that come out of nowhere. Those are all regionalisms describing fairies, and they could mean different types of fairy. But if you hear me say something you're not familiar with. Just in your head, insert fairy. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I already have been. <laughs> <laughs> the least malicious of the species insisted on continual libations of milk. Such offerings were still being made to them into the isos. That, I, by the way, could not find a definition for, or okay. isos. I assume it describes a period of time in Scottish or Welsh culture. I couldn't okay. find a, a really good source for it. If you try looking it up, you get a bunch of weird uh, BS. But feel free. Uh, otherwise, of... they would kill or maim cattle and the human owners. Some so, insist... Yeah? So, that... I, I hate to, like... I hate to be that, you know, grand unified theory of the paranormal and the supernatural. Yeah. Um, But that sounds like an awful lot like a alien abduction. Oh, alien abductions! Like yeah. a lot, like a lot, lot, like not just a tiny bit. That's like 
almost a that, that's a magical version <laughs> with the exception of milk yeah <laughs> it's <laughs> it's definitely a maybe that's why the aliens are mutilating the cattle they don't know how to milk what if what if aliens are fairies that don't like to seem like they're doing magic and they just really like sci-fi <laughs> Like what if what uh-huh. if aliens are what if aliens are like the goth fairies, right? <laughs> so yeah, they're too so, cool for magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they yeah. they've they've used magic to make fake technology that looks like technology, but it's actually just magic. <laughs> and they're creating these these false realities, but they still got to do all the same stuff, right? Yeah, they have to because you know. Just like a red cap who has to have its cap always cut, drenched in blood, this one apparently needs to constantly be drinking milk. <laughs> so, uh huh. So they still need to get that good, good milk. Yeah. But you know what? We're gonna be aliens now because <laughs> we're different. They're the nonconformist fairies. Nonconformist fairies. Oh man. I feel like that explains a lot of alien abduction cases. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> oh, oh. Some insisted that it was necessary to keep all glacings, even those who appeared friendly, at an arm's length with a dirk. If permitted to come close, a glasting might assume the attributes of a vampire and suck a man's veins dry. Daystings were also known to take the form of a man's beloved and vampirize him, absorbing his heart's blood. I assume dasting is a female form of glasting. So, I just want to point out, most dangerous things, uh-huh. keeping them at arm's length of a dirk is generally the way that you deal with them. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's yeah. not... So, So you know how there's always, like, in these, these types of folklore myths and legends, there's always, like, a weakness that something has, usually, just so yeah. people can feel in control? Uh-huh. Dirk is a generally a good weakness for most things. Oh yeah, Dirks are definitely one of my many weaknesses. Oh, it's it's number one on my list. I think. Yeah. Well, <laughs> bullets probably first, but you know, mm-hmm. Dirks up there. Bullets are just sky Dirks. <laughs> Flying Dirks. Flying yeah. little Dirks. <laughs> Jeez. All right. So to escalate a little bit, in 1911. Wait, wait, Ameri- wait, wait, wait. Escalate. Yeah. Escalate from absorbing his heart's blood? Yeah, well, this this is a slow escalation all the way up till the end where I actually solve one of them. Okay. <laughs> really? We solve one? Yeah, and by I okay. solve, I mean someone else did, and I'm just telling you about it. Okay, yeah, I was about <laughs> to say, because, like, there's some people who probably put some real effort into this. Oh, yeah. And I don't, I don't malign them at all. I'm... Actually, I, I for the next cryptid that I'm doing, I bought a book by someone who did a lot oh. of research. Yeah. On your hoaxes, there are a lot of fairy hoaxes that are out there. So that's another thing where if it's not in the book, we can keep that one on the back burner somewhere. Oh, 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 I know. The, the, like the one where someone literally took illustrations out of a book that you can find today and took pictures of them. Oh, As yeah. though they were real fairies. They, and there's the, uh, what were they? The, the Cotalingi fairies. They were literally like little paper mache figures that were, <laughs> they were like, 
he took a picture of a girl and took a picture of these things, cut them out, and then copied them on top of each other. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's... I, th- I think we're thinking of the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, it's funny because you can literally, if you find the book that they came from, you can look at the book and then look at the artwork in the picture, and you're like, yeah, this is like one-to-one. The pose is even the same. <laughs> So, okay. in 1911, American anthropologist Walter Yeeling Evans Wentz, who's got one hell of a name, published it is a, a pretty book. good name. It's such a, there's a lot of people with really good names. I feel like this field of research has attracted everyone who has a good name. Oh, yeah, you have a minimum of four first names before you're even allowed to do any folklore. It's true. Yeah. So, Mr. Wentz published a book called The Fairy Faith in Celtic countries, or Celtic, I'm not quite sure on the pronunciation. He interviewed a then 73-year-old Neil Colton from Tamlek Township. Or so Tamlin, you, know how I know, you know how I know Neil is the person who's being interviewed? How? He's only got two first names. Yeah. <laughs> Walter found Mr. Colton, as rumor around town said that he had a reputation for having seen the gentle folk. Now, given the extent that fairies show up in folklore around this time, you've got to be seeing that shit everywhere to get to be the guy with the reputation. Yeah, also, gentlefolk is like like a, a almost dog whistle for talking about fairies. Oh yeah, well there's nice versions. These are just the not nice versions. Yeah. Um, gentlefolk also reminds me of uh, what they call the uh, wildlings in Game of Thrones, the free folk. It it actually, what it reminded me of was the Hulda folk, which is the uh, Norse one. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. But you know nothing. Yeah, <laughs> I know nothing. Walters met with Colton and his three sons around a fire, and he was told the following. One day, just before sunset midsummer, and I, a boy then, my brother, cousin, and myself were gathering bilberries up by the rocks back there. So he's talking about an area near his house where, where they're sitting. When all at once we heard music, we hurried around the rocks, and there were within a few hundred feet six or eight of the gentlefolk and they dancing. When they saw us, a little woman, dressed in all red, came out from them and towards us. She then struck my cousin across the face with what seemed to be a green rush. What? We ran home as hard as we could, and when my cousin reached the house, she fell dead. Father saddled a horse and went for Father Ryan. Yeah. What? So this guy, Neil, and his brother and his and his cousin were out picking berries. They heard some music and saw a group of fairies. And apparently the gentle folk hit you with the green rush, which is like a switch or like a little branch, slaps her in the face, and she gets home. She arrives dead. So I was going to make a joke about them being like the Midnight Society. I thought that that was a rich vein of humor because, Uh you know, they're all huddled around a campfire trading stories about fairies. But Uh then the story itself completely took that out of me. What? There's a sharp left turn in the story. You're going, okay, berry picking. There's music. I see the gentle folk. They're dancing. They're singing. We're amazed. And then she just kills his cousin. (laughs) But but doesn't just kill the cousin. Slaps her with a 
a green rush, which is like a yeah. stick, right? Yeah. Like a, yeah. So slaps her with a stick so hard that presumably she gets like some kind of internal hemorrhaging yeah. that allows her to continue to move. And by the time she reaches home, she drops dead. Yeah. Yeah. But the, yeah. So so do fairies have like superhuman strength? Fairies are fucked up, man. I don't know what else to tell you. I don't know how strong they are for their size. They're, uh, I don't touch on it, but some say that they are fallen angels. Uh, okay. So that they were not good enough to be angels. Like, they, there was a revolt in heaven, and then they were cast away, but they weren't bad enough to be in hell. So maybe they're just like... the the, the They're positing then that Earth is like a, posi- uh, um, a purgatory for angry angels. <laughs> so So maybe... I'm just there's a lot to process there's a lot of crazy fairy stuff you you put so much insane stuff on me just there it's hard to even make a good joke <laughs> like I feel uh-huh. like what you just told me is in itself its own its own joke yeah so like there's not a whole lot I can do to add to that to make it sound I'm 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 broken. I am a broken man. <laughs> the I'm just I can't get over the thought. Like I'm imagining um I'm kind of imagining like a small woman dressed in a red dress. So uh-huh. like kind of um I'm picturing the the I don't know if how much Game of Thrones you, you watch or uh, yeah, if yeah, at yeah. all. But the red woman from Game of Thrones, but but like pocket sized. Yeah, so she still has all the same proportions. She's just yeah. pocket size. That's that's basically what I'm imagining too. Just yeah. like runs up and then does like a jump where they hover like tune physics for a second. <laughs> Doesn't have the the green rush in her hand. She uh-huh. reaches behind her back in like a giant comical green rush, flings out of her hand and smacks the woman like on the head. <laughs> right? It's got to be. It's got to be uh-huh. a face slap. Oh, it's definitely, I, I'm picturing, like, a diagonal, fr- she got hit, her left eye, fairy's right arm, this whack, just real hard. Like, we're talking Looney Tune physics here. Oh, yeah. Is what I'm thinking of. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, apparently, by the way, Colton foresaw the Princess Bride, because as it would happen, his cousin was only mostly dead, and the priest brought her back to life during a series of, of rituals. Well, she got better. I think it involved a scarf. If I recall correctly. A scarf? Yeah, I think the priest used a scarf to bring her back from the dead. Because a fairy hit her with a stick. Okay. Ireland's crazy. Yeah, well... There's a lot of jokes that can be made about the Irish. And I'm not going to make them because they're low-hanging. I... Oh, I never told you about this. I... Received correspondence... From mm-hmm. a person who works in HR, and not where I work, another place's HR, and they said, you you should probably stop making sweeping generalizations about, uh, it was for years, so it was for Illinois, and I said, really, you've got a problem with Illinois? I said the Scottish can talk with the devil whenever they want. And uh, your problem is with Illinois? I knew I, knew I was going to get in trouble for those Illinois bits. <laughs> but yeah, sweeping generalization. It's it's my favorite thing. Brandon here. A quick note. 
The next creature may involve sensitive subject matter relating to newborns. If this is a concern, feel free to skip forward 12 minutes, 56 minutes in, or until you hear the commercial. So moving on, Twilith Teg, Elion, Elolin, Gwilion, and Bendith Imamu, literally all translate to Mother's Blessing, is a specific type of fairy, and its traits are common in pop culture and uh, many films, Disney movies, and other Hollywood films. Most people at one time or another have seen on TV a magical creature entices children to come with them to a magical land. Think Peter Pan or that uh, Lion Witch in the Wardrobe. It's a common theme in pop culture. Oh, kid, you yeah. know Mr. Tumnus was not not looking out for those kids. Best he interest. is not on the up and up at all. No. Never if, trust a man with a pan flute. That's what I say. I think Tilda Swinton was way more uh, was way more trustworthy in that movie, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Like, at the very least, she gave that kid Turkish delights. <laughs> is that a so. euphemism? I think that's a euphemism. No, no, there are literal Turkish delights. I don't okay. even know what a Turkish delight is. It's one of those, like... <laughs> I, I think I looked it up once, and it's like one of those weird old-time candies that yeah. modern people wouldn't enjoy at all. Oh, because gross, they're like, yeah. they're like, just barely above chalk from what yeah. I've read. Why is black licorice still a thing, by the way? An aniseed? That's no. That should that should have gone away a long time ago. I don't know, man. People people in their taste, and you know, not to not to knock anyone who likes stuff, but if you like black licorice, what are you doing? You're a bad person, and if you give out black licorice on Halloween. That's oh. that should be a crime. That sh- that should be a punishable offense. Honestly, the thing that I think should be a crime is handing out candy corn on Halloween. Oh, like, just loose, loose candy corn? Loose. <laughs> that's that's criminal. I'm sorry. Oh. Like that's just wrong. Like if you hand out like little packets of it, that's fine. Yeah. But the people who hand out loose candy corn, they're the worst. I- I always remember, like, you know, there's always that joke about people who hand out apples and stuff like that. But here's uh-huh. the thing. Apples, not that bad. I like it. But then again, we're also from New York, so we may have a slight bias towards apples. Apples, apples are the best. Apples are great. Yeah. Can't, loose candy corn? That just makes a mess of my bag. Loose candy corn? Oh, or it's in your, pop, your, your pants pocket and you put it mm-hmm. through the wash and then it sort of melts when you put it through the dryer? That's the worst. No, a juicy bite of a nice honey crisp apple. Oh, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> so the the magical creature either kidnaps the child or creates a copy of the person out of wood, uh, which is a theme in several movies and one of my all-time favorite TV shows, Grimm, which I highly recommend, especially given the time of season. Fantastic TV show. I think it's on Amazon Prime now. It used to be on yeah. a, a CBS, I think. It's great. It's great. Lots it's, of monsters. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I, I got like, I think six seasons in, and then I kind of lost track of it. But that's oh, mainly that's because perfect, because I... they stopped at season six. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, then I, I must have gotten to like season five, because I got like, I got, I got, I got caught up when I was watching it. Uh-huh. And then I didn't want to wait for new episodes. <laughs> It's so good. G-R-I-M-M, if anyone's interested. It's yeah, great. yeah, definitely watch it. So these 
may all be derived from Welsh fairies. For many reasons, including spite, jealousy, raiding, and tradition, these fairies would go out and do these things. These fairies would come into a mother's home and replace their child with either a magical wooden copy of the kid or with a fey child that looked somewhat similar, and either way, the mother would care for the child. This is also a major plot point in the Netflix documentary Troll Hunters. Is it? I and never I, saw that. Well, well, it's not a documentary. I was making a joke about the fact that it's a children's TV show done by yeah. Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, but yeah. it's a major, major plot point. I won't spoil it. But, is it good? Uh, it's really good. I watched the first season and yeah. I loved it. I haven't finished the second or third seasons yet. But the first season's phenomenal. It's definitely got Guillermo del Toro all over it. That sounds pretty awesome. That, yeah. I'll have to check it because that shows up in my trending feed on netflix i see i go as a kid's show but there's some kids shows that that they're they're actually good yeah the first season the main character i think is voiced by the guy who played scotty in the reboot of not scotty check off i was just gonna say i I think he he might not be with us anymore he unfortunately died and the the first season is dedicated to him because it was Uh posthumously but i think michael Sarah took up the mantle of the main character Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. so it, it's actually got a really good voice cast. I highly recommend it to people who are interested in, like... Because it does a lot about troll lore, which yeah. is adjacent to fairy lore. Mm-hmm. So They're pretty similar, just different, different geological uh, locations. It's like Jif and Gif. No. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so all of these, by the way are ways in which pre-industrial families in pre-industrial Europe describe developmental disabilities, the passing of a child, and actions relating to sustenance of a family in the peasant class. Now, infant mortality and developmental disabilities, both physical and mental, disproportionately affected the effects of the medieval lower class. Families would, at times, resort to infanticide to keep themselves from starving. That is when I got seven pages in, and when... Oh, shit. I can't. Oh. That's when I was texting you. And I was like, how do we deal with if there's something that could be sensitive? Because there are probably people who might have had lost a child or has had a child that had uh, uh, was developmentally disabled. That's when I was texting. Like, how do we handle this? I was seven pages in and I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Oh, I mean, I'm not like. I'm not surprised, but holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. I went, oh, man. One source, D.L. Ashleman, a German professor at the University of Pittsburgh, said that a peasant family's sustenance frequently depended upon the productive labor of each member and a person who was a prominent drain on the family's scarce resources could pose a threat to the survival of the entire family. The fact that changelings' ravenous appetite is so frequently mentioned indicates that the parents of these unfortunate children saw in their continuing existence a threat to the sustenance of the entire family. Changeling tales support other historical evidence in suggesting that infanticide was a frequent solution. Uh... Yeah. That's this why is, I put that in red, so I could just edit stuff. That's horrifying. So, yeah. like, this is one of those situations where modern sensibilities tells me that this is screwed up. Yeah. 
But at the same time, this is difficult because we're talking about people who are substance farmers. Yeah. Like we're talking about people who if 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 they subsistence. We're talking about people who who um if they don't make a harvest on time, they could die. Oh yeah, they're like, their entire livelihood is dependent upon physical labor and whether or not they're like, it could be a perfect child, but the fact that there is a person who is consuming resources and not contributing and taking away from the resource of the parents. Cause they have to now do parent stuff instead of farming. That could be a major, uh, uh, risk to the family unit as yeah. a whole at that time. That's, that's really, um, it's one of those really unfortunate cases, right? Because, yeah. like, on the one hand, I can see where the people are coming from, right? Because it, it, it's it's kind of the uh, honestly, it's like that moral problem, you know, the uh, the two tracks. Oh yeah, right. Where there's the switch, and you know, on one track there's one person, on the other track there's five people, right? Right now, it's switched to be on the five-person track. So you hit the button. So, yeah, but but the, the, the problem becomes then, if you hit the button, you are directly responsible for that person's death. Well, if you don't hit the button, you're directly responsible for five people's death. That's true. And that's kind of the same moral dilemma that happens in this story. Yeah. In this, this notion. Because, like... That, you know, that, it's an extremely real... Yeah, thing that happened in a very unfortunate uh, set of circumstances. Yeah, where uh, woo, I'm happy to not be in pre-industrial Europe. Oh, I would definitely be killed. Oh yeah, there, there, there's no doubt. I if I was in the if I was in the 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 time frame in which changelings are a thing and we have to work on the farm, there is no doubt in my mind I would have been killed because. <laughs> I am what you call indoorsy. Yeah, but we, we invented indoors for a reason. Yeah, and yeah. that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not making. I want to. I want to really couch this. I am not in any way, shape, or form making fun of people for doing this, and I fully recognize the gravity of what this is. I'm ma- more making fun of myself on that one. I, I recognize my own shortcomings. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, that's that's uh, you know, I will say this though, that's not surprising to me. It's not surprising. It was a uh, that's something that I don't think about a lot because there are, are a lot of TV shows, Game of Thrones, uh, Vikings, what have you, that are very popular and take mm-hmm. place in this time period. And I especially love high fantasy, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and all of these other like forgotten realms. And uh, and and all that, and this is something that sort of brings everything back into perspective from those areas, and I think it's important that um, yeah, that that that's documented somewhere. Like, don't forget, you know, it's great to love all this this um, high fantasy and, and to to sort of romanticize the the era, but shit was real then. Yeah, you definitely need to contextualize things because if you don't contextualize yeah. things, you'll you'll hurt for it, you know? Like yep. if you don't recognize that these phenomena have direct relations to other things, it's really easy to not 
understand and comprehend the set of circumstances that led to this. And if you ignore the set of circumstances that led to this event, in the future, you can unfortunately repeat those exact same issues. It's oh, the, yeah. the the history repeats itself thing. The uh, those who forget, don't learn the past are doomed to repeat. Yeah, totally. So, True. Yeah. Oh. Well, I. Oh, it's getting stronger. Yeah. Receiving. <sighs> yeah. We're I really don't. I really don't want to talk about my Illinois comments. <laughs> I'm really scared. It's we're getting a signal we're, from HR. We shit. We'll be back after we report. I'm probably gonna be replaced by a change. Today's sponsor is Himoi. Himoi is the latest in home and commercial butchery and meat processing sanitation technology. Just a few sprays of Himoi will instantly degrade organic and blood-like material to the extent where it is no longer detectable with common small particle reagents such as, but not limited to, luminol and similar products. Himoi is the best kept secret in industry and the preferred sanitation product of boutique butchers. Himoi for all your cleanup needs. Now back to the show. I'm going to go see what that crash was and then uh, pick up again because cats. 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 They've been playing with, um, they're, they're, I don't know what it's called. They're, it's like a plant that you don't have to water a lot. That a I have. Yeah, succulent. And there's moss around it and they, they <laughs> so there may or may not be a succulent down. We'll see. All right. It was a can of pledge. Mm, <laughs> that'll do it. Yeah, they they knocked a can of pledge off a table. Of course they did. Yeah, because why not? Well, well, the reason the cats knocked the pledge off the ca- table is because that's their um, pledge is like cat Satan. Well, anything on a table, cats hate it. That's why um, I have to yell at people all the time when they come over. For leaving the toilet seat up. Not because it's an issue, but because the cats knock stuff into the toilet. Because I've got a lot of, like, beard health stuff. (laughs) Oh, God. Right right next to the toilet. (laughs) Do you remember... (laughs) This this just reminded me. Do you remember when uh, the kitten, uh, Jiro, was younger? Yeah. And... Someone went to the bathroom. I think we were playing D and D. Someone left, went to the bathroom. They yeah. left. They left the lid up on the toilet. Uh huh. And because the cat is a monster, uh huh. And he persists on being a monster to this day. He um, he basically jumped into the toilet because he was curious. Uh-huh. Um, he didn't freak out because the cat has no fear of water, which persists mostly to this day. But I think it was your sister who discovered that yeah. he was wet. <laughs> and that was a yeah. that was a thing she, for sure. She was petting it. She had him on her lap <laughs> and was giving him the good, good scratches and goes, oh, he's a good boy. What? 
why are you all wet? And then I just saw your eyes move over into the bathroom. <laughs> and you go, oh, the door's open. Did you leave the seat up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That That's my life with that cat. It, yeah. It's basically, if you forget to do the things... Oh, did I tell you I have baby locks on my cabinets now? <laughs> that's totally fair. Because <laughs> what happened was, and you were there for this, when we came back from going somewhere, yeah, all of my delicious, delicious pancake snacks had been eaten by this boy. <laughs> Oh, Jiro loves red bean. <laughs> he loves red bean, and that's not an understatement. We're just lucky that he didn't get his hands on the stupid sodium packet, because oh, that would have been the bad. Yeah, yeah, the desiccant. jeez. Uh, <clears throat> so, in Ireland, on the Isle of okay. Man, located off the northeast coast of Ireland, has a fairy known as Leonon She, bearing much resemblance to a succubus. This creature comes from the land of the dead and is invisible to all but those she chooses as her victims. One source described them as watching for the last person to leave a funeral. Should it be a young man, she would take the form of a beautiful woman and make him promise to meet her in the churchyard in a month. When she sealed the promise with a kiss, she sealed his doom for her kisses sent a fatal fire through his veins. And before the month was up, he died the death of a raving lunatic. Nice. nice. I mean, I mean, there's worse ways to go, I guess. Right? Yeah. Like, there's just worse ways to go. I mean, if you look at the, the Leon C from Persona, there's uh-huh. worse ways to go. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Uh-huh. Like, it could be a thousand times worse, but, oh, yeah. you know... You get you get succubied out of existence, you know. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing that kills me about like the whole succubus myth and yeah. like the whole succubus lore. There's not a basically what that is is dudes being like, "Listen, I didn't want that to happen. <laughs> I didn't want it." It's like that episode uh-huh. of South Park where uh, like all the rich the rich guys have this 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 tendency to cheat on their their spouse. Oh yeah, and it's like. Well, I don't know why I did it. <laughs> and then they blame an alien. Yeah. As Shaggy would say, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. William Butler Yeats writes, She seeks the love of men. Her lovers waste away, for she lines on their life. Most of the Gaelic poets, down to quite recent times, have had a lean on she, for she gives inspiration to her slaves. She is the Gaelic muse. This malignant fairy, her lovers, the Gaelic poets, died young. She grew restless and carried them away to other world, for death does not destroy her power. So this guy is basically saying that this particular fairy is not so much an entity as it is the notion of a muse. So like it's it's literally like like it's it's the desire to create that fills people and like how over time that slowly, you know, eats away at you. Yes. Yeah, that's a way of interpreting it. Yeah, no, I I can see that. I actually, I think I like that explanation for this particular one quite a bit Uh because it kind of fits in the whole, like, honestly, it fits a lot. Like, because the the idea is the 
the Leon Sid goes after their victims after a murder, at, at not a murder, a, uh, a funeral. Yeah. Right. Which makes a lot of sense to me because you go to a funeral and you're like, shit, what am I doing in my life? Now I'm going to do a bunch of shit because I feel unfulfilled or I'm having, you know, a crisis because this person I know is now dead and uh-huh. now no longer living and they can no longer produce. So now I'm going to try and do stuff. So it seems like you're consumed mm-hmm. and it, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's poetic. Yeah, totally. So. Author and folklorist William Carlton wrote in his The Leonin Sheet, Like a leech fastened onto a woman appearing as a protuberator. A protuberator. You want to give that another go? Appearing as a protuberance. Okay. You got it. You got it. Got it in one. Tormented, the woman offered great riches to anyone who would free her by becoming host to her parasite. Fearing the woman's formidable power, the people of the community went for advice to their parish priest. Ironically, he was more frightened than they, for he knew the she's host. She was his cast-off concubine, not dead as he thought, but mad and possessed by an evil spirit. In an account which Carlton contends is true, the priest sacrifices himself, slashing his wrists to avoid offering she his blood and burning himself to free the woman of her parasite. Thus, says Carlton, the unchaste female has come to be called the Leonin Sheet, the priest's paramour, in particular is called Leonin She and Sagarth. So... So that that's another version. So one was the muse yeah. of, like, poets. This one seems like it's a... I don't know what it is. It seems like it's a evil fae that latches onto a person and takes the form of a growth. And then in one account, she was trying to get rid of it, and a priest went through some extreme actions to try to resolve her issues. I think I'm gonna. I think I like the muse version of this better. Oh yeah. Um, mainly because this version feels kind of gross to me because it feels like it's blaming the woman. In a weird sense, like it's kind of like the woman has become this evil entity, just a random ass woman. Yeah, well, I think in, in this one, it was a normal person mm-hmm. who then a lean and she attached itself to her and she was trying to convince someone to take the she from her to sort of pass it from one host to the other so she could be left alone. Okay. And that the priest in this case didn't do that. Or maybe, no, he did do that, but killed himself in a way. So he'd accept, accepted to be the host of it and then killed himself in a way where he knew the she wouldn't be able to uh, move on to another host. This this just feels weirdly masculine, like the story itself. Like it feels yeah. like it's, oh, look, this man has saved this woman from whatever, this, this uh-huh. ex-concubine. He saved yeah. her by sacrificing himself. I don't know. There's just something that feels disingenuous about this story. Yeah, totally. But I, I feel like the other one is more endearing. Uh-huh. So the final creature this week is the Kate Seedhay. It is described as a large black cat, approximately the size of a dog, sometimes with a white patch on its chest. The creature would appear near the deceased and steal their soul. Eventually... Feel or file Fatalak, 
which is a group of people who would wait near the body prior to burial, was formed. There, I just saw, <laughs> saw Final Fantasy. Have you just been sending me Final Fantasy links? <laughs> I've been I've been sending you uh, video game versions of all the the seeds you've been sending me because literally all of them exist in every video game ever. I did not do I I really did not do any pop culture research outside of stuff I already knew. So I just threw in Grim because I knew Grim. But you've been sending me stuff like clips from video games. <laughs> This is this is the one from Final Fantasy fourteen. It's a horrifying one. Oh no! It looks yeah. super friendly. That doesn't look like it's an evil fae. the The one above that, uh, the one above that, the uh, the one from Final Fantasy seven. That uh-huh. the, the the so the first one, the first two are from Final Fantasy seven. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And then they brought Kate Sith. They they call it Kate Sith, which is just a yeah. different version of saying it. That's, uh, yeah, yeah. Back, that's, that's an alternate yeah. spelling. Yeah. Yeah, they brought they brought Kate Sith back in um, Final Fantasy eleven and then fourteen. Uh-huh. So, so for for me in Final Fantasies, how are these creatures like? What are they in the Final Fantasy universe? Not, not what it is in real life at all. <laughs> if I remember correctly, Final Fantasy seven Kate Sith uh-huh. is basically like he's just trying to get a bunch of money. Yeah. And Final Fantasy eleven and fourteen, Kate Sith is basically a protector of this this like really bad thing that has a bunch yeah. of bad creatures in it, and is actually like a good person or a uh-huh. good cat, I guess. Okay. So, although cool. I feel like I I kind of buried the lead a little bit on this because I've I've kind of oh that's pretty cool I didn't I didn't know that it seems like for both the Mongolian Deathworm. And in this case, the Kate, the Kate Sidhe or the Cat Sith, which is an alternate spelling that I found, both in Final Fantasy. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Cool. Final Fantasy. So Final Fantasy basically, it, it's that copy your uh, friend's notes in class, but change them up a little bit. Yeah, they they tend to do that <laughs> a lot. They have a lot of good folk. Although I will say they they do use folklore to their advantage, and they use legend to their advantage. Like, yeah, I mean. An interesting thing about Final Fantasy VII is Sephiroth, right? Mm-hmm. That's a Kabbalistic notion. Okay. That's what actually... So the Sephiroth is like a, a tree that has all these things on it, and I'm not going to go into it just because uh-huh. you know, I'm in, I'm ignorant of it for the most part. I know it. I know to, how to recognize it, uh-huh. and I know roughly what it is, but I don't know more detail about it, so I'm not going to go deep into it. But and a fun thing is the Sephiroth is also featured prominently in uh, Full Metal Alchemist. No shit! Yeah, so the door to truth, the the weird symbol that's on that, that's the Sephiroth. Uh-huh. Damn. Yeah. So, the Feel Fedlock, their purpose was to distract the Kate Seedhay with catnip, riddles, music, and other stuff. Fire was not allowed, for it is said that the Kate Seedhay or Cat Sith liked the warmth. So, so. um <laughs> riddles. Uh-huh. I will tell you this. My cat loves a good riddle. <laughs> He's still trying to figure out what walks on all four in the morning, two legs at noon, and three legs at night. But you know, <laughs> he likes them, I think. He kind of just yeah. slow blinked at me when I asked him, but I think he's been thinking about it. So. Oh yeah, nothing's better, but oh, nothing's better than a nice slow blink from a cat. Mm. 
That's true. Uh huh. It is said that if you place a bowl of milk outside your door, the soul stealing fae would bless you. I mean, that just sounds like the soul stealing fae. Fae is a um, is a monster because it's probably a food gremlin, just like every cat. <laughs> every cat is a food gremlin. Oh um, yeah, I, I can guarantee that. My once again, the kitten in my household loves red bean paste, <laughs> so clearly he is a food gremlin. Uh huh. So it it is at this point that I stopped doing all research on the cat Sith. Because I went, oh, I bet that's just a straight-up cat. So I I did some research, because it sounds... Ex- catnip and, if catnip and milk are its weaknesses, that's just straight-up cat. So given its description and size, I started doing some research. And I mm-hmm. found that there's only one species of large cat in Scotland. The Scottish wildcat, Felis sylvestris grampia, uh, is a large, dark, and sometimes black cat. And it's very rare. So when I saw that, I thought, nailed it. That's got to be it. Uh, Kate Seathay is this big wild cat. You distract it with catnip and milk. It goes away. And I did think that to be the likely culprit for the Kate Seathay. But I found something even better. The Kellis cat, which was thought to be a pure hoax until 1984, where one was caught in a trap and shot by a gamekeeper. The Kellis cat is a black cat with a small white patch on its chest, and it was then discovered that this most elusive creature is a hybrid of the Scottish wildcat and a domestic cat, and it is posited that this is the actual origin of the Kate Cite. Hmm. Yeah. I can see that. That's that that totally makes sense to me. Oh yeah. This is not, by the way, a formal breed of cat. You won't see these wandering around in Scotland. It's what I learned was a land race of a field hybrid. And what that means is a field hybrid, to the best I can explain, has to do with the fact that all species of cat cannot breed with each other. This has to do with where in the timeline these subspecies diverged from their common ancestor. The most popular example that I can think of is the liger or the tigon, which is a combination of a a lion and a tiger depending on which, you know, which was male, which is female. I feel and... like doing a dance for some reason. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just had this, like, primal urge to do a dance of some kind <laughs> and vote for a man named Pedro. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> uh, I don't know. Oh. I, I can't explain it. It's just this uh-huh. feeling that's that's it's washing over me. <laughs> Oh, I wish I had screen recording software going. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A land race has to do with adapted features and traits that plants and animals have due to regional, agricultural, and cultural factors. This is how we made different breeds of dogs, cats, cows, etc. So it's a combination of these regionally specific uh, land races breeding with uh, the the Scottish wildcat, and you get, apparently, a soul-stealing demon that loves milk. So, my hypothesis for how the uh, Kate Sith became a thing was uh-huh. a cat showed up at a funeral uh-huh. and, like, sat on the dead person's body. Uh-huh. People don't like that. 
Uh-huh. So then a set of rules became a thing for how to deal with <laughs> cats sitting on dead people's bodies. Oh, 100%. So it makes sense to me that this would be a thing because at a funeral, especially given the era, there would likely be, especially at wakes and the such, there's typically food about. There's a large group of people. If it's outdoors at that period of time, it'd probably be warm due to the fires. Mm-hmm. So the cats would probably start showing up because there's the warmth and then there's the possibility of finding these scraps. So mm. I think it's a, uh, yeah, yeah. I think no, it's reasonable how these came about. I, I know how cats work. I have two. <laughs> uh-huh. This is this, this screams cat. I have basically an inverse Kate Sith in this house. Uh-huh. Cause you know, instead of having the chest have the little white patch, he's got the pubes with the white patch. <laughs> so oh. and he's a monster who who steals my soul every night well since the white patch is on the pelvic region that makes him a kate sithy mamu kate sithy mamu yeah the amamu from earlier is the uh is that the sexy one or is that not the sexy one the that's the lian C. oh lian and she okay so yeah. that's a cat sith she there we go we're mixing and mashing well geez now i feel <laughs> Now I feel upset. (laughs) (laughs) So that concludes this episode of CryptopediaCast. You can find us at our website, CryptopediaCast.com. Our Instagram is CryptopediaCast. Our Twitter is at CryptopediaCast. We have a SoundCloud, that's SoundCloud.com slash CryptopediaCast. We have an email, CryptopediaCast at gmail.com, or you could contact us at us at CryptopediaCast.com. Com. We have a Facebook group as well if you'd like to join. Just say that you want to join and we'll uh, we'll approve you. We're just trying to make sure you're not a shoe-selling robot. Mm-hmm, that's important. Uh-huh. And if you can, remember to rate, review, and subscribe, especially if you're on iTunes, Stitcher, and what have you. That's important to get the word out and sort of bump us up on the charts a little bit and, and share this with your friends if they like uh, monsters or if they're just in the mood for a creature-based Halloween podcast or anything of the sort. You could find me on Instagram.com slash donkey underscore hands. My website is boyerb.com. My email is brandon at cryptopediacast.com. And my Twitter is at CryptoBrandon. Yep, and you can reach me on Instagram at mu2057. My Twitter is at jfdunham. My website is currently defunct and being used <laughs> for Cryptopedia. And I thank you, you can, for the sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I'm not looking for a job right now, so I just, you know, put my website down for a little bit. There's games on there once I bring it back up, so, you know, uh-huh. play some games. <laughs> my email is john at cryptopediacast.com, and as usual, you can find all of our social media links on our website. Um, I'm probably going to be putting some new stuff on that website soon, so stay tuned. We're kind of working on a few things that we're not ready to announce yet. Additionally, you can uh, follow our podcast artist, Tom Hill, at Thomas Michael Hill on Instagram, or his website, greatergloryco.com. You can also email him at tommikehill at gmail.com if you need some commissions. But um, I think that's about it. I think that's it. Oh, and if anyone is interested, we do share episode art pictures sometimes we link to articles on our twitter and our instagram so Mm -hmm. if you're interested in some supplemental stuff or some just pictures feel free to follow us yeah yeah of course also there was one thing that i forgot i was gonna mention but now i remembered it when you said that and then Uh after you said it i lost it because that's the way my brain works (laughs) 
Um, hmm. <laughs> it feels important. I feel like it was something that mattered in some way. But it now... was. Let's see what we're we're talking about. Instagram, what, uh, Twitter. Oh, now I remember. Supplemental. Okay. So I don't think we're going to be able to make it because we haven't gotten any uh, suggestions or ads oh, yeah. about about ideas for like you know listener supported stuff. So if you have stories you want to tell, you can always at us or send us an email. So. I'm I'm gonna open this up to ghost stories even because there's some pretty cool we can get some pretty interesting ghost stories maybe oh yeah cryptid stories urban legends from where you live things of that uh-huh. nature send it to us we'll yeah. try to work it into a future episode we were uh-huh. I was originally hoping to do like a Halloween style episode but we're still kind of gaining our listener base gaining subscribers so it's a little more tricky for us right now mm-hmm. but yeah. in the future. It would be nice to do some listener-supported episodes. Uh huh. E- even if you don't have a story of your own, feel free to post requests. If there's a specific cryptid that you'd like us to do something on, feel free. Send you know, set, share a line with us. And uh, if you want, shoot some articles or something at us as well. And yeah. if you'd like, we're also open to uh, write up some of your own creepy pasta. That could be fun. That yeah, could be I- something fun to do. What will probably happen is I, I was planning on reading some creepypasta at some point for this show. So, you know, if you'd like to hear me in my my stilted readings of creepypasta, well, I'm your guy. So, anywho, um, I'm John. I'm Brandon. And things are going to get weird. That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. There is some... Okay. So... Something... Hmm? Oh, something to share uh, that's unrelated to anything in the episode is I went to Lowe's. I went to the hardware store, as I do yesterday. Mm -hmm. But before that, I made some tacos. And John, these were some good tacos. I got some dry-aged ground beef. I put tortilla uh corn tortillas on a uh on a tray to get ready to put them into the oven and here's what i did i um i just sort of barely cooked that beef just sort of gray to the outside i put it on the tortillas i minced an onion covered it in that i minced some sharp cheddar sprinkled that on top a little bit of habanero sauce put it in the oven and then set it to broil to melt the cheese and to finish cooking the beef Mm-hmm. Now, I made two mistakes uh, when I went to Lowe's. Uh, mistake number one was I'm lactose intolerant. Mistake number two is that broiling just melted the cheese and didn't continue to cook the beef. Oh, no. And the Lowe's near our house, I'm bragging right now because I consider this an inhuman feat of strength. Try holding in diarrhea while going over those five speed bumps. I know exactly what you're talking about. Those speed bumps are the worst. Oh, no. Oh, no. I wouldn't have been able to do it. There's, I am, it was cutting close. That was That is actually a superhuman feat that you performed. You might be a cryptid yourself. <laughs>